Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church Podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. So this morning we're going to finish a series that we've been doing, and we're going to start a new series next weekend, so uh, be four weeks, and I encourage you to, um, to get out for that because uh, it's going to be called Finding Favor. Haven't taught on the favor of God for a few years, so we're going to talk about finding favor. Really what that means is to find advantage in your life. Um, how many have been here when we taught on the favor of God before? Was, wasn't that life-changing stuff? So we're going, to, we're going to start a new series next week called Finding Favor. How many are ready to go this morning? Appreciate my family. are the only ones clapping. <laughs> so we're going to finish, finish our blended series this weekend. But, but I feel like I need to do something, first of all. I don't want to embarrass you guys, but could the Martins, could you guys stand up for just a moment? I think I have something the Lord wants me to tell you guys. Um, and th- this is what I sense, that um, there is a heart of ministry and a heart of care, an anointing of ministry and anointing of care. Um, you've always felt it as a feeling of caring about things, but God said it's actually a ministry. Even in your endeavors that you're starting, um, your business that, that you're involved in, uh, it's more than just a cool idea or a creative idea or even a creative solution. God says, my hand's on it, but make sure you keep his hand on it. It, it will be profitable, and that's okay, but it's also profitable um, to help people and just keep that heart of ministry and care at the forefront because God will surprise you what he'll do because sometimes he said how I don't know how I'm going to he'll bring the connections um, he'll connect the dots and God says just care about what he's put in your heart to care about and, and, and even Seth and Ty I, I, I just sense this that there is a there is a heart for ministry and there is a heart of ministry on you guys God's got a place for you in his house um Long term. I think he has a place for you in this, this house long term. You're going to put your hands to stuff and it's just going to be ministry. Wow moments. Amen. I don't know what all that means, but. <laughs> so we're going to finish up this series. And the word blend means that you take substances and you produce a harmonious effect. And you've heard me say this through this series that God doesn't want to just blend us together. He wants to take it a, a step further and create a bond. Uh, just like uh, a popular phrase in our culture today is blended families. And God wants to do more than just blend us together. Because if you look at it from the outside, you could just say, well, that's what God has done. He's blended some different backgrounds, some different people with some different stories together, but God wants to take and blend that together and make a bond. And that, that bond is a different thing. And God wants a bond in his body. He wants a bond in his local um, communities of faith like this. And so just preaching about this bond over the last few weeks, I hope is, has helped you. But the word bond means you join something together securely. So you have an adhesive. That adhesive could be um, heat, it could be pressure, but it's, it's what bonds things together. And so I want to challenge you that God doesn't want to just blend us together as a local church. He wants to create some very strong spiritual bonds. And so we've been teaching over the last few weeks what that means. 
And so I want to go to Hebrews chapter 10. We've used this as a text. I'm just going to read the last two verses of, those, of that passage I've been reading. I'm going to change translations on you and, and pick out something in here that uh, isn't, is not popular, but I need to preach it. So I need to, to just say, say, we love you. And we receive it. Some of you are like, not yet. Not, not, not going there. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. And let us, everyone say us. us. So who's God talking to? Us. us. Not just a particular, but a person, but us. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and to stir up good works. And verse 25 says, and don't forsake the assembling, not the gathering, but the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner or the habit of some people, but exhort each other even more when you see the day approaching. That day approaching means the deceptive time, the distractive time, the dangerous times. And so this scripture was, uh, the writer of this, uh, the, the, of this particular passage of scripture that God spoke this through was, was dealing with this situation. Um, in the early church, there were many who were neglecting or abandoning doing life in the synagogue together. That's something that they had been neglecting and abandoning. That's, that's two different ways of, of saying that. Um, because many of them were distracted, many of them were discouraged, and so we find that they broke the habit that God wanted them to keep. So a lot of them just neglected bonding together. Some of them actually forsook it. And I believe things that have happened over the last several years has put the church world sort of in this place. There are many who are just neglecting God's local communities of faith. And some are just abandoning and some are just neglecting because they're distracted or in some situations, they are discouraged. And this is a warning to us not to let that happen. And uh, I find myself preaching and teaching this series because when there are things out there that are out of place, they need realigned. And I know one series doesn't realign, realign everything, but we need to get the heart of this passage of Scripture. And we need to take it to heart individually and corporately. That we need to heed the warning and not A, neglect, or B, abandon doing life in the synagogue or in God's house just because we may get distracted or we may even be discouraged. Week one of this series, I said something that I've said over the years several times, and that's this, that every one of us, every one of us need three things. There are no exceptions to this whether you have been with Jesus for a long time, whether you don't believe in Jesus, whether you're new to faith, uh, whether you're new around here, uh, whether you come up in a Christian family or not, there are three things everybody needs. One, you, you need a savior that you can surrender to. Anyone glad in here that there was a moment where you met Jesus? Uh, you need a savior, which means you can't save yourself, but there needs to be somebody who is a capable of saving you and be willing to save you and that's what Christ has done we all need a savior we can just surrender our lives to amen
not only do we need a savior we can surrender to, we, we need a, a pastor and leadership that we can just submit our lives to. And that's not about me. That's just saying the Bible says that Jesus was, was stressed when he looked at the crowds and Jesus said this, they're like sheep without a shepherd. He wasn't just talking about himself. He was talking about people need to be under the covering of local churches. You need to be taught the things of God. You need to be inspired and encouraged on an ongoing basis uh, by, by good leadership. I'm glad that I've had opportunity in my life to be uh, under the umbrella and under the covering of, uh, of good leadership. And the other thing that everyone needs is you need a church that you can connect to. A lot of people don't believe that. But there's no place in Scripture for rogue movements. You say, why is the church so important? It's his bride. It's his bride. And as long as the bride's on the earth, it's still a vehicle to impact the earth. You think things are bad now? Wait till the church is gone. Um, so God cares about, when I say church, I mean the church as, as a whole, and then I also mean the local church. And so I want to put a slide up here for you just to help you. Um, maybe you're looking for a church or you're wondering if you're in the right church or you're just checking church out. How do you choose what church to connect to? How do you know like where to go? Because I've heard people over the years give me reasons why they go to a particular church. And when I've heard the reasons, um, I, I'm able to really diagnose really quickly why they're so frustrated, lost, and living below the level that God wants them to. And these are in order, and I think these are good questions. Uh, can I grow there? I mean, am I being challenged with a message where my faith is challenged every week? Did I make changes in my life so God can elevate me? Is what they are teaching challenging me to grow in my faith? Are they teaching the word of God? Not teaching your opinion of the word. Are they teaching the truth about scripture? Are they taking scripture, keeping it in the context, and is it challenging your life? Are you, is your life at a different level now than it was because you're under that teaching week by week? Is your faith challenged? Is your faith growing? Are you seeing the results of those things? Can I grow there? The next one is, can I flow there? Everybody say flow. Say, so what does that mean? What, is there vibrant worship? Is there vibrant services? Are there vibrant events? Um, is, is there vibrant uh, connection? Are there opportunities for your family to be involved in? Are your kids taken care of? And then lastly, can I sow there? Which means, is there, is there vision there that I can sow my treasure into, my talents into, even my time? And so you got to be able to say, how do I choose a church? I need to be able to grow there. I need to be able to flow there. I need to be able to sow there. Because sometimes I've seen people get those out of order. Well, I go there because of the fellowship. I think fellowship's important, but I know a lot of people that have fellowship and they haven't grown for like 20 years. Or there's not a significant vision there to, to be a part of. And so just to help you, um, if you are looking for a church, someone watching online, if you're saying, where, to go out, where do I go to church? If, I, if I'm supposed to have a, a savior to surrender to and a, a leadership to submit to, and if I'm supposed to have a church to connect to, how do I know? Well, I think you, you can answer those questions. I need to be able to grow. I need to be able to flow. And I need to be able to sow. That's just to help you. Um, here's my title for the next few moments. Uh, cooperation is the call. Cooperation is the call. Last week of our series, everybody still doing all right? Here we go. The word cooperation, uh, we all sort of know what that means, but it means this. We associate with one another or we associate with others for mutual benefit. 
Our association is for mutual benefit. You ready to dig into this? Ephesians chapter 4, two verses. The Bible's telling us this. Paul says, always be humble, always be gentle, be patient with each other. Someone say amen. Just checking. And make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Isn't that a good phrase? Make allowance for faults because of our love. Now look at this next phrase. Make every effort. Everyone say effort. To keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now that phrase, make every effort, literally means something like this. That it, it, it's an urgent phrase. It's a phrase that means you expend a lot of energy, you expend a lot of effort, it's urgent, it's important, and Paul says you have to put intensity, effort, and energy into staying united in the spirit. If, if that verse tells us that, then that means there are going to be opportunities, circumstances, situations for us to not be united in spirit. That's why Paul puts that there to give us almost a warning to give us a challenge, to, to let us know that we're going to have to expend some energy, effort, focus, and intensity on, guess what, keeping united in the spirit. So I was thinking about that. I was praying about that. I was dissecting that particular scripture, and I came up with some good life points for you. I want to talk about effort this morning. Effort for us as a church staying united together. Here we go. Ready? Life point number one is this, that we always promote agreement. We always promote agreement. Now, someone needs to say amen because you're getting sleepy on me again. This is important. I said this is life-changing. It may not sound like it, but it is. We want to shout about God doing something, uh, surging, you know, um, shifting. But, man, we, we have got to connect our hearts and our lives together. Um, so always promote agreement. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Look, look at this verse. Paul, once again, is speaking. This is intense language. He says, I urge you. Brothers and sisters, so he's talking to us, for the sake of the name of Jesus. Isn't that what it's about? For the name of Jesus, for the glory of God, for the cause of Christ. Paul says, I urge you for the cause of Christ or for the name of Jesus to be respected or for the name of Jesus to have reputation or for the name of Jesus to, be, uh, to, 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 to have honor. He says this, then agree. To live in what? Unity with each other. And look what it says. Put to rest any division that attempts to tear you. To tear you. There we go. Apart. Be restored as one united body. Live in perfect harmony. Form a Look at this. Form a consistent choreography among yourselves. Have a common perspective with shared values. That is a weighty verse that Paul begins with and he urges us, urges us for the name of Jesus to agree. If we're going to make every effort, so this is sort of a personal challenge to everybody that is part of the body of Christ or part of this church. Paul's saying, and I'm saying to you, you, hello, put all of your energy into making sure that we're always promoting a spirit of agreement. The Bible doesn't say uniformity, but it does say a spirit of agreement. How many know that we all have opinions? We all have 
Right? But just think about that. Politics. Don't we all have a lot of opinions? You want to know what someone believes? Talk about politics. Sports, we have a lot of opinions. And God's not saying that you can't have your own thoughts, but what he is saying is we have to work at staying into what? Agreement. And so Paul urges us with some words like agreement, harmony, unity. And real, real, real biblical agreement means some things like this. We share and we get into agreement about focus. We're in agreement about vision. We get into agreement about the heart of God or purpose. We get into agreement about direction. We get into agreement about what we put our hands to. And Paul is saying, you got to make every effort to get into agreement. Not just the overall church, but God's house here. I want to challenge you that we put our energy, our effort into agreement. But that comes with a warning. And the warning is this, is to not live independently. I said this to you before, but um, a lot of people say you can't survive on your own. You can survive on your own. You've seen stories of people surviving tragedies, and you can survive, but you will never thrive. And God wants you to thrive, but you can't thrive on your own. And some of us live very independent lives, and I want you to know that, that that's the wrong spirit. Jimmy, Jimmy Evans said it this way. He, he said, let me find here, the greatest perversion of creation is isolation. We pervert God's plan when we live independently and we live isolated. And you know what? It's a challenge today. And let me just tell you why it's a challenge. Because fatherless generations produce a spirit of independence. When we have gone through generations of absent fathers, the result of that is we start to live very independent lives. You could call it a spirit of independence. You could call it a spirit, an orphan spirit. Because the spirit of a father has been missing in homes. And so we take on this independent spirit and these independent spirits cause us to live very isolated. Now, listen to some of these statistics. I think this is interesting. Um, they did some research and they found out that we have a loneliness epidemic in our culture. A loneliness epidemic in our culture. The most least lonely segment of culture is our older culture. Now get this, our most lonely segment of culture 22 years and younger. But, but, but stick with me. The most connected generation in history is the most isolated, lonely segment of our culture. Now, I'm all for technology. I have the same habit you all do. But that's not what God's talking about, connecting online. We've lived through... COVID and, and a sense of isolation the last couple years, which is the opposite, opposite spirit of what God is talking to us about. John Bevere said this, there are two things that will tear you down relationally. Two things that will tear you down relationally. One is comparison and two is this isolation.
when you isolate yourself, they say that it is equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day of what it does to you health-wise. Isn't that crazy? It does have effects, not just on you emotionally, obviously, but it has many physical effects. Depression, anxiety, Alzheimer's is linked to isolation. In other words, without a pack, you're easy prey. And you know, there's an enemy that wants to separate you from connection. He wants to separate you from church life. He wants to separate you from his body, his local church. He wants to get you to be separate and live a distracted, discouraged life. And you'll end up either abandoning or forsaking what God's calling. And, and, and so we can't be in a sense of agreement when we just live isolated and we live independent. I just want you to know this. I'm speaking to all of us. We need to come under a spirit of agreement, not disagreement. We need to watch our opinions. We need to watch our, our focus. We need to watch our intentions, and we need to watch our heart. Because sometimes we let a spirit of disagreement, you know what disagreement means? I'm dissing the agreement. Do you know how much power there is in agreement? When we come, that's why we put lyrics on the screens and we all sing together because it brings us into what? A spirit of agreement. You know why our culture, our country is crazy right now? Because there is a spirit of division. It started a few years back. It came as fear and it's got us divided in all these different directions right now and we don't have any leadership that can bring us into unity. Do not let that trend reflect what's going on in God's house. It can go on out there. Do not let it go on in God's house. Agreement. Agreement. Thank you. My wife's, I appreciate that, honey. I'll buy you dinner. Y'all are on your own. There's so much to put us in this. But what Paul's saying, you got to work at staying in agreement. You got to work at staying in agreement. You got to work at staying in agreement. First Peter chapter three, verse eight. Y'all doing all right? Look what this says. Now this is the goal. He gives us the goal. What's the goal? Live in harmony with each other. Demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, kindness toward other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you love each other. Here's my second life point, right? We have to always promote agreement and we have to actively pursue, what's the goal? Harmony. Agreement, harmony, these go together. This is something that we have to actively pursue. These things don't just happen because you come to church. Uh, let's take a poll. Married people. I had this really bad philosophy. Hey, fall in love. Things just work out. Then one day I realized you got to work at this stuff. Thank you. I see that hand. Yeah. Oh, they were awesome at first. You were blinded by love. And then you realize we got to work at this stuff because we don't always agree. We don't, we're not always in harmony over the, it doesn't just happen. Just because you're here, you're here and you love Jesus, these things don't just happen. 
So I warned you about living independently. I want to encourage you and challenge you with a different word. Live interdependently. Live interdependently. On the West Coast, they have these massive redwood trees, which you've, you've seen pictures of those. Some of them are like 350 feet tall. Some of them are, you know, a couple thousand years old. They're massive. But the root systems are very, very shallow. But the root systems are connected all over the forest. So if the root systems are, are uh, making contact with nourishment and water, it travels through the root system all across that forest, and those trees are nourished, and those trees are grown. And that's how we have to be. Our roots have to be connected. And that phrase, interdependently, might be a new phrase to you, but see, if you miss out on, 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 on living inter, interdependently, which is a spirit of cooperation is what we're talking about, if you choose to live that way, you, you miss out on the power of us restoring each other. You miss out on the power of someone protecting you. And you miss out on the power of someone being able to stand with you. Real biblical harmony just means this. God takes us, knits us together, and fixes us together. And we work at harmony. We work at agreement. It's something we have to actively pursue. I know this is all good until someone annoys you. This is all good to someone sits in your seat that you've been sitting in for like six months. Or someone takes your parking spot in the new lot that you have picked out for yourself, then it's on. Come on, isn't this thing a little bigger than seats and parking spots? And Our call is a spirit of cooperation. It's the spirit of heart. So it's challenging when there are things that, that ruffle... Or they're like sandpaper on your opinions or your feelings or situation. So the Bible says you got to make every effort to promote agreement. you got to make every effort to pursue like this thing that we call harmony. I wrote this down. Um, we all have limitations. You may not want to believe that. You're all that, but you're not all that. You do have limitations. You do have limitations. Research says this. Overwhelming research proves that almost all of our limitations are perceived limitations. But there is a key, they say, to overcoming your limitations. You know what that is? It's other people. You have limits. Almost all of your limits are perceived, but there is a key to you overcoming them. It's each other. That's a really interesting survey. That's interesting research. You would think, well, if I just become better me, well, that will help. But the real key is one another. That's why Paul was telling us all about this stuff in the church, because he was dealing with people who kept abandoning and forsaking the importance of being together. And, and just, I, I want you to look at someone next to you and, and say this, say, say this, say, it's important that you're present. It's important that you're present. The Bible says this, when you come, 
You bring a supply. How many know we don't need another supply chain shortage? But you bring a supply. You bring a supply to worship. You bring a supply to connection. You bring a supply to the teaching. You just bring a supply. The Bible says every joint supplies. Think about this. So if you're not here, you leave us without a supply. So it's important that you're here. And the Bible says it's also important your position. He goes to the whole illustration about the body has many parts, but they all work together. So it's just important, not that you attend, but that you're a part of things. Okay, I'm getting to the last point. So what have we said? We have to make effort to be in agreement. We have to pursue this thing called harmony. And we have to, lastly, aggressively protect unity. Agreement, harmony, and unity. Hey, I, listen, I know you're thinking, oh, I've heard this before. Paul said you've got to make every effort on these three things. How many of you have to make effort on these in relationships, in marriage, friendships, family? Well, we have to make effort on these in the family of God. Can, can I read you another really cool passage of Scripture, explain it to you? And then we're going we're gonna to close with a worship song. This is back in the book of Psalms. It says this, how truly wonderful and delightful it is to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet what? Sweet unity. Everybody say sweet. How wonderful it is when brothers and sisters, so he's talking to us, that we're living in sweet unity. It's as precious as the sacred scented oil flows from the head of the high priest Aaron, dripping down upon his beard, running all the way down to the hem of his robes. This harmony can be compared to the dew that drips on Mount Hermon that flows down on the hills of Zion. Indeed, that is where Yahweh has decreed his blessing. It will be found there. The promise of life is forevermore. Isn't that a cool psalm? You're probably wondering, what is that talking about? I'll tell you what that's talking about. So this is a psalm where God's people are coming together, and they're going to uh, converge together from different locations, and they are traveling to Jerusalem uh, three times a year for these special spiritual uh, pilgrimages. So they're all coming from different places, different backgrounds, scattered here and there, and they're coming together, all together, and they're marching to Jerusalem. And this psalm says, now this, this is good. And it gives us this idea as they come together, they're all singing a song. And this is the song that they're singing. I don't know what the beat was like. I don't know if there's bass in the background. I don't know if it was a country song, rap song, whatever it was. But it was this whole idea that they came together, they converged together, and they're going forward, and they're excited about this, and it's a good thing. When the Bible says it's a good thing, that means it's the heart of God. So it's the heart of God that we come together, we're going in one direction, we are in agreement, we are in unity, and we are in harmony, we've got to protect this unity thing. Then it says not only is it good, it's pleasant. And what that means is it's for us. It is for us. It's good, it's pleasant. It says it's like oil that ran down the priest's beard. Well, that's a symbol of it's anointed. If something has oil on it, it's the Holy Spirit. It's anointed. It says, and it's like dew running down his robe. That's a sign of refreshment. Yeah. 
And at the end of that verse, it says, this is what God decrees his blessing on. In other words, listen to this. This is what God blesses. When there is unity like this, God blesses it going forward. Listen to me. When there is not unity, God cannot and will not put his special blessing on it. But when there is relationship and when there is a church and when there is the body of Christ that has brought itself and converged itself going forward in a spirit of agreement, in a spirit of harmony, in a spirit of unity, guess what God does? God says, I bless it. I bless it with my anointing. I bless it with my restoring power. I bless it with reconciliation. I bless it with power. I bless it with my presence. I bless it with my hand. And we want God to show up and manifest and be God and, and, and bless us and bless this movement and bless your relationship. Guess what it takes? It takes this spirit of agreement. It takes this spirit of unity. It takes this spirit of harmony. And God says, you've got to protect it. Now, I've been doing this long enough. Did I see the importance of this? Because the devil hates this. He hates it. That's why Paul said, don't let this become the habit of your life. Don't neglect it. Don't abandon it. Don't fall into that habit like some people do. And he went on to say, this agreement thing, this unity thing, the goal is harmony. There's a reason why he says that. Because there is an enemy, and the enemy's strategy, tactic, his whole mojo is to what? divide. He doesn't show up on the big screen and say, I'm here to divide. He works behind the scenes in your relationships, in churches. He whispers, he lies, he deceives. And I just want you to know something. He's really, really good at it. He's really, you know why? Because nothing he, nothing he has ever done is original. He's a counterfeiter. Just like there is a spirit of unity, there's a spirit of division. Why would I preach this this morning? Is there a certain division that I know of? Not necessarily. But here's what I do know. Every time I go look back at what God told me to preach, he told me to preach it at a certain time for a certain reason. Did y'all hear me? A certain time for a certain reason. Do I know that reason? No, I don't know that reason. Now, are you getting something good? I'm about to close here. Now, the Bible does not say to us to get into unity. He did say, keep the unity. He has put us in unity. He has blended us together. He has bonded us together. Don't you and I allow things that would become divisional. Actually, the opposite of togetherness is dissension 
It's strife. And the Bible strongly, strongly condemns that. So here's what I'm saying to you. I know that sounded really heavy. I'm saying this. My heart as your pastor is to put us in a place where your life becomes more blessed and more successful. And as a church to do the same thing. So I just want to warn you about independent, an independent spirit. And I want to challenge you about allowing yourself to be interdependent on each other. And it is important. And it does matter. I said it is important. And it does matter. So here's my challenge to you. You ready for this? That you make every effort to protect unity. That you and I make every effort to make harmony the goal. And you and I make every effort to promote agreement. So intention is one thing, but to protect it. Because, you know, when God wants to bless you or he wants to bless the church, he brings people right in. I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to walk someone in your life. But, you know, the devil does the same thing in the opposite direction. If he wants to bring division, he'll bring things in. So we can't entertain division. We can't entertain whispers. We can't entertain those things. The moment we do, it creates that opposite spirit. So in this house, that's how we roll. Amen? Amen. So, would you stand to your feet? Like I said, we're going to go to a new series next week on the favor of God. It will make you shout. It'll make you shout. So in this series, we have said there needs to be some bonding agents that bond us together. In the first week, we just talked about community. It's at the core. Then we talked about comfort or encouragement is the key. Man, if you are here last week, we talked about how confrontation is the challenge. We talked about offense and repentance. And cooperation is the call. Those are just some bonding agents for God to have a healthy, healed, strong, vibrant church. So I put together my own declaration of interdependence that I would like you to recite after me, if you will. Here we go. We the people of LifePoint declare that we will make every effort to keep ourselves united in the spirit of unity. We will always promote agreement, refusing to live independently of each other, acknowledging the call to function with one heart, one passion, and one vision. We will actively pursue harmony, choosing to live interdependently with one another. Understanding that each of us brings something uniquely essential to the health of this house. And we will aggressively protect unity, confirming God's enjoyment, God's anointing, and God's blessing upon this alliance. A declaration of interdependence.
And here's how I want to close this morning. I said we were going to close with a song. Each week I, of this series, I, I asked God, we talked as a staff, how do we close this particular experience? We don't want to just give you information and send you home. Some weeks we had like these big greeting moments. Some of you liked it. We couldn't rope you in for anything. Last weekend we filled out those offense cards and we buried them. And here's how we felt like we were supposed to end this this morning. See, here's what I know. We serve a good God, but we live in a messed up world. And we serve a God that's for you, not against you. But there's an enemy that is against you. And some things happen in life just because it's a fallen world. And sometimes there's a strategic attack by the enemy against you and your household. And usually attacks happen the greatest right after God's done, done something big or right before he does something big. And I know for some of you, the devil has targeted you. And you might have been a little distracted, discouraged, felt a little defeated by some of those things. The Bible says this, count it all joy. Because there's a promise for every problem in your life. There's an overcoming pro- promise for every challenging, overwhelming problem that you face. And that may not be everyone in here this morning, but I know some of you in particular... I'm not talking about you've just had a bad couple days, but you feel like you're just in a moment or a place where you're just believing God for a supernatural breakthrough, a supernatural breakthrough with some things. Maybe it's a problem, or maybe you've got your, your faith out there for a promise. I'm not talking about just going through a rough season or just, just I'm talking about you're, you're, you just know there's just something challenging you right now and it feels like um, if something doesn't break you might break could you slip your hand up that's you put your hand up it's okay it's a church not a courtroom thank you Jesus for the rest of you I would like you to look around and if there's a hand around you somewhere could you get to where you put a hand on them their shoulder don't do anything weird just put your hand on their shoulder I have to always say that because there's always somebody We're going to pray for you, and we're just going to do a worship song together. That's how we're going to close this experience this morning. I'd like you to agree with me in faith. Father, I thank you for your presence that's in this room. God, we know that the anointing breaks every yoke of bondage. And I believe your anointing's in this room because we have worshiped together. We have preached a message about unity, and we have preached, uh, we have taught this morning about agreement, and we have declared harmony this morning. God, our hearts are in, in, in a shared place this morning. So, Father, all across this room, by the power of heaven, we stand against the strategy, the power, and the plan of Satan. God, some of them, they can't sleep. They feel like they can't think straight because you have messed with their mind, devil. And we say, loose them in the name of Jesus. Some of their bodies have come under torment and they're feeling worn out. And I pray for super Holy Ghost energy to come into them. 
Guys, some of, the, some of them are, are fighting to keep above water right now. And God, I, I prophesy victory over them. I prophesy peace over them. I declare joy over them. God, I declare goodness over them. I declare the favor of God in their situation. And we say, enemy, release your hands. Let the hour and the moment of victory come. Let, 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 let the season of shouting happen. Let, let the spirit of a champion rise up in them. And God, we prophesy that this shift that's happening is in their favor. And God, let, let, let what you're doing, God, bless them so much. Let it increase them so much. Let it touch them so much that it takes this test and turns into their testimony. And this mess becomes a miracle and it becomes a mouthpiece and a testimony for your glory. Let their, let their problem be turned into a glory story. And God, we give you praise for it. We give you glory for it. We call it done in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus this morning.